Acts chapter 16. You know, we just finished up seven straight weeks on our glorious future and all that God has in store for us and that this world's not our home and just looking at all the wonderful things that God has for us. And I want us to read this this morning uh, in Acts chapter 16, verses 25 and 26. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And this is, this is our text for today. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. At midnight, they prayed. At midnight, they sang praises unto God. And I want to tell you here this morning that there is, there is great victory in prayer. There is great victory in praise. When we praise Him at midnight, when we praise Him in prisoners' chains, when we praise Almighty God, there is great victory that comes and it comes to us, y'all, in our darkest hour. It comes to us in our darkest night. It comes to us in our darkest moment. It comes to us in our darkest uh, prison that we, we might be in. We triumph in Christ Jesus. Everything is in Christ. Everything that He has for that the God the Father has for us is in Jesus. It's in the Lord. The Bible says He that spared not His own Son, but offered up Him for us all. How should, how should He not also with Him freely give us all things? All these blessings are found in Jesus. But there's great victory that comes when we praise the Lord at midnight. Now, even if our chains don't fall off at that moment, there's still great victory that comes. We need to learn this. Amen. God wants to teach us that. He wants to teach me this. He wants to teach His people that there's great victory when we praise God at midnight, even if it's His desire for us because of His perfect will and He knows best for us to remain in prison just a little bit longer. There's still great victory that comes right away. Our God can turn a, a, the darkest night to the brightest day. Our God can turn a funeral into a family reunion. Our God, just, just ask uh, Mary and Martha what the Lord Jesus can do when He shows up and turn a funeral that's been going on for four days into a family reunion. Ask the widow at Nain, who is a widow and lost her only son. And the funeral procession was going down the street. And Jesus touched the coffin and the, and the boy raised up alive. And He gave her, the boy back to His mother. Ask Jairus, whose daughter had died. And, and Jesus put everybody out and said, she's not dead, she's only sleeping. And He raised her from the dead and gave her back to her parents. Ask Jesus' own disciples if the Lord can't turn things around on resurrection morning. They were sad. And they thought that this would have been the Savior of the world. And, 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 have, and they, their hopes were shattered because they misunderstood the prophecies about His death and resurrection. He turned it around. He turned it around and appeared to them. And showed himself our God can turn deserts into rivers of water and barrenness into rivers of water and fruitful lands. He can turn our darkness into noonday. Our God can take away chains and give us liberty. And in the place of that, when Jesus had come down after fasting 40 days and nights in the wilderness, afterwards he was hungry and and Satan came and tempted him and it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. He went to the synagogue, he opened up the Bible into the book of Isaiah and began to read and he said that, that the Lord had sent him 
uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to preach deliverance to the captives, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And he says, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He closed the book and he sat down. He is the fulfillment of these things. He wants us to know that we can trust Him, we can praise Him, and there's great victory that comes to your life and my life when I can praise Him, when I can thank Him, when I, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the prison, in the middle of the night, in the middle of our darkest hour, and, and He wants us to believe Him for that. Amen? He wants us to believe Him for that. And so, Jesus came and He conquered the death. He, he conquered the grave. He conquered hell. He conquered the works of Satan in our lives. He conquered our sin when we gave our lives to Him. He conquered our fear if we will let Him take it. He didn't give us that spirit of fear. Amen? For the power of love and of sound mind. Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises at midnight. The Bible says at midnight. And so there's great victory that comes into that. They praised the Lord when they had been beaten. We didn't read the whole story. We're going to read some more of it in just a moment. They had been beaten. They were in stocks around their ankles. Okay? Metal stocks. They were not only in the prison, but they were in the inner prison. So it's bad enough to be in prison, but then they take you way deep inside the prison and basically a dungeon inside of the prison. And we look and we say, how were they able to praise God? It almost looks like it's a fairy tale. When I read something like that, and they've been beaten and, and their sores were left open and so forth. And they're at midnight and they're chained up. And they're chained in the prison, in the inner part of the prison. And they're hurting. And yet we see them when we read, and Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God at midnight. And you say, that's superhuman. That's, that's like a fairy tale. It sounds like a story that you would read about something, like something that's made up, like a fiction tale. Uh, like maybe that's just an elite group of Persons or people. And yet that's exactly what God's called us to be. And they do. He made them that. He made them that by His Spirit, by the blood of Jesus. People look at Paul and Silas maybe in that. Maybe if you're sincerely looking, you say, well, that just seems like they're another breed of person. I could never do that. I could never do that. And yet actually they were men of flesh and blood just like you and me. Actually they were men of flesh and blood just like Elijah. The Bible says in James, who prayed, effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. He prayed it wouldn't rain for three and a half years on the earth, and it did not. There was nothing special in one sense about Elijah. He was a man of like passions, like as we are. Jesus is the only one that was totally different, sinless, and not a child of Adam. But he was also tempted in all points as we are. Yeah, without sin. But the point is that Paul and Silas, we would think these people like Elijah, like Paul and Silas, like Moses, like Abraham, like Noah, like they're just superstars. They were something otherworldly. In one sense, they were. In one sense, they weren't. They were just people like you and me. But you know what? As far as like Paul and Silas in New Testament saints, they were born of the Spirit of God. They were baptized in the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay, they were crucified with Christ. They had the mindset that to live is Christ and to die is gain. They were convinced of that. You couldn't talk them out of it. We can be easily, too easily persuaded. We can be persuaded by a good sermon and we're kind of emotional for a while about it. And we feel like we can go take the world for Jesus. And, you know, then we get a flat tire on the way home and everything's out the window sometimes. You know what I'm saying? And, and 
These men were convinced that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They were convinced that to live is Christ, to die is gain. They were servants of the Most High God. They were soldiers of the cross. They were lovers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is filled with them. History is filled with them. We need to be that people right now in our day. There's great victory in praising God. I want to just read this from, from, uh, from Daniel real quickly. And, and you can turn there if you want, but Daniel chapter 6, verses 20 through 22. And Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for doing what was right. He was thrown into the lion's den where the criminals were thrown for serving God and doing what wasn't a crime, but what was right. And King, it says, and when he came to the den, King Darius in the morning, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake unto Daniel, this is 20 through 22, O Daniel, servant of the living God. That's who he was and what he was. Daniel was a servant of the living God. Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. This is the God. They're not superhuman. They were human beings that were, born, they were saved. Daniel, an Old Testament saint, but they were lovers of God. They were empowered by the Lord to do what they did. They believed God. They were convinced and convicted that He was real, that He was God, that He was mighty. The same God that enabled David to go fight a, a giant, Goliath. And we think, oh, they're just, they're just so far beyond me. But yet that's exactly what God has called us to do and to be. And it's exactly what our God equips us to do and empowers us to do, to praise Him like that. The Bible says, and these signs will follow them that believe. It doesn't say, and these signs will follow super elite, special group of people that are monks that sit up on a mountaintop somewhere in India or Nepal. He says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, I either believe that or I don't. And if I do, then I'm just like Paul and Silas and, and, and the rest of these wonderful men of, and women of God. And I walk out by faith and live it. We need to live that way, y'all. And believe it, that that is what he's called us to do. And y'all, when it pleases God and it glorifies God and it testifies of the goodness of God and the power of God when we praise him in prison, when we praise him at midnight, amen? When we praise him, it, it testifies of the goodness of God, the power of God, the reality of God in that situation. We're going to find out how real your God is to you. Always talking about Jesus in the Bible and God. You don't drink, you don't cuss, you don't chew, and you don't run with those that do. You know, and you do all these things. But when the rubber meets the road, we're going to find out how real your God is to you. It glorifies God. It testifies to the reality of God. Yes, He's real to me right now. He's real to me right now in these prison, prisoner chains. And I'm going to praise Him. You understand what I'm saying? He's real to me. You know, those martyrs when they're tied up to a stake. And, and I forgot which two it was. I, I apologize. That two of the martyrs during the Reformation that were, uh, that were 
uh, tied to the stake and burned. And they looked at each other and they, they were saying, we're going to meet the Lord here in just a moment. They began to praise the Lord. One of them asked to be tied just his feet. Don't tie my hands. Because he was clapping while the flames were going. And praising God. And it's, it literally, literally says, he clapped his hands till they fell off in the fire. They say, that's superhuman. That's a superman. No, it's, that's a man of flesh and blood and like passions like you and I are. We're born of the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit of God. And they're convinced of the reality of this God. And it glorifies God. And we're still talking about that man today. And we're still talking about Paul, Paul and Silas today. It testifies of the power of God. The keeping power of God. The goodness of God. The reality of God in that moment. Paul says this. I'm just going to read it. 2 Corinthians 4.11 if you're taking notes. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake. That seems like the opposite. We should just be walking from victory to victory to victory to victory. Everything's just going our way. Paul says, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So we go through death experiences. Paul beaten and laid, so many stripes laid on him and shipwrecked and destitute and without food and in perils among his brethren and in perils you know, in, in foreign lands and everything else. And he says, we're delivered over to death for one purpose, that the life of Christ may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. There's such a contrast, death, 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 of uh, fear, uh, persecution, torture, imprisonment, midnight. Everything's dark. Everything's going wrong. Poverty, shipwreck, beaten with stripes, physically frail. And the life of Christ is manifest through that when it's for His sake. It's for His glory. It's because we're not superhuman that He can show Himself mighty through our lives. He's chosen the weak things, right? And the foolish things to confound the mighty and the things uh, to bring to nothing the things that, that are mighty in this world. That's God's choice. That's the way He works. And it testifies to the glory of God. I want to read this. Just a little commentary I was studying about this passage of Peter, I mean, Paul and Silas in prison. He, he says this, that uh, Paul and Silas suffered a double, double discomforts at the hands of the lictors. The lictors were the men that were in charge. They would walk around and intimidate people to try to keep them in line from breaking the laws. And they had instruments, you know, rods of iron that they would beat people with and so forth. And when, the, when Paul and Silas were arrested, they got a double whammy, okay? They were, they were beaten with rods. And then they were put in stocks. Everybody was not put in stocks, okay? He goes on to say, but the jailers never figured that this treatment would fill Paul and Silas with joy. It was, it, was, it was aimed to beat the life out of them, basically. It was aimed to punish them. And yet, the response of Paul and Silas was one of praise to God. I'm not saying that they didn't hurt or didn't feel pain. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. I'm simply saying Satan, you have to remember it's the same for us. Satan is after our faith. 
What is Satan after? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. Remember, everybody's going to die, okay? Unless we're raptured first. But He is after your faith. He wants your faith. That's what Jesus told uh, Peter. He said, Satan wants to desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. And not if, but when you're converted, you go strengthen your brothers in their faith, he says. He, Satan is after our faith. He wanted, I, I believe the devil, and we know it from the scriptures, but I believe that our adversary, the devil, is completely convinced that he, if he can make our circumstances contrary to what we would want, they will no longer serve God. That's why this name and claim and prosperity doctrine doesn't work. It's not biblical. And everybody's circumstances are surely not what they would want them to be. Everybody's circumstances are not what they want them to be. If you could sit down and write out your ticket and say, I want things to be exactly like this. And God says he answers prayer. Just go do it. Do everything on my list. Everything's perfect. Never get old. Never gain weight. Hair wouldn't fall out. I mean, nothing. Everything would just be perfect. And yet, that's not how it is. And Paul says we're delivered over, we that live are, are constantly delivered over to death that the life of Christ may, may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. He wants to show himself mighty when our circumstances aren't what they would want them to be. I'm, I know that y'all know these truths, but I believe the devil is completely convinced that if he could take you and you've been praying for a certain thing and he turns it the other way, or, or God allows it to go the other way and we, we suffer and our circumstances are contrary to what we wanted and maybe even horrible, that we will not serve God. We will not trust the Lord. He believes that. But that's exactly when, at the times like that, when God wants to manifest Himself in us, to us, for us, through us, he wants to manifest Himself and show Himself mighty in our weakness to ourselves. He wants to show it to whoever may be watching. That could be other believers who are greatly encouraged. That could be a lost world. It could be our enemies, the devil himself. He wants to show Himself mighty. I know that we know the story of Job. Satan was convinced that if he could get his health, get his physically in his body, that Job would curse God. He told the Lord that. He'll curse God and stop serving you. We know the story that he did not. He is after our faith. And there's great victory. Paul and Silas were beaten. They were in prison. And they were in prison for doing what was right. That's just almost like a double injury, I guess. Lord, I did what was right and look what happened. They're doing what's wrong and they're not in prison. I'm doing what's right. I'm beaten and put in prison and put in stocks. But there's a rejoicing that comes in that from the Lord that they don't get over there. And a compromising church doesn't get. A compromising Christian doesn't receive that joy. There's a joy that comes in standing for Christ and taking the heat that comes with it. Because we're totally convinced that I'm in the will of God. My God's got it. He's got me. He's got it. He's got it. I'm going to praise Him. This isn't my home. This world's not my home. This prisoner, prison is not my home. These wounds are going to heal and I'll get a glorified body one day. And 
And Paul and Silas were in there for doing what was right, for serving the Lord, for preaching his gospel. We didn't read the whole story, but uh, in, Phil- in Philippi, they had, there was a demon-possessed girl, a fortune-telling girl. That was, you know the story that was following them around. They're trying to preach the gospel, and basically she was saying the right things, but her spirit was the spirit of Antichrist. There was a distraction. It grieved Paul after many days. The Holy Ghost said to him, cast the demon out of that woman. And he did. Well, that's when all their persecution started. An angry mob grabbed them because they made their money off of this, this woman's fortune telling. Her demon possessed fortune telling. And now it affected their wallets. And they were furious and a mob came together. And they were beaten and thrown in prison. They were, they were beaten in prison put in prison for doing what's right. But y'all, God always has the last word. God always has the last word. He can turn our mourning in the sense of lamenting and weeping into dancing. And He desires to do this. I don't care what you've been through in your life and how long you've served God. You've said, I've served God and it seems like things are getting worse. God has the last word. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He ordains and purposes to show forth His might in the face of persecution, in the face of evil men, in the face of dire circumstances, in the face of hopeless situations, in the face of insurmountable odds. Don't we see that all through the Bible? Those aren't just Bible stories. He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you in, uh, again, in a hopeless situation? Are you in a dire uh, circumstances? He longs to show forth His power to save and to deliver on behalf of them that trust Him. That trust Him. He wants us to trust Him. And we don't just trust Him when all is going well. We trust Him. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles uh, to 2 Chronicles 16. King Asa. Just to give a quick little background, Asa had trust, uh, trusted the Lord in a previous battle with hordes of armies that were coming against them, multitudes, and God had delivered them. At this time, he doesn't. And God sends a prophet to rebuke him. At Second uh, Chron- Chronicles 16, 7. At that time, Han- Hanani, the seer, or the prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Now he's talking about the previous time he had trust in the Lord. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubims a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thy hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of Him whose heart is perfect towards Him. This is a desire of God. I'm just going to stop right there for our purposes this morning. The Lord desires. He's looking for someone that is in a pinch, in a bind, in, a, in, a, in persecution, in a tribulation, in an affliction to show Himself mighty through their lives. Who's going to be glorified? The Lord. 
Who's going to be mighty? The Lord's going to be mighty. He's going to be mighty in our weakness. And He receives the glory for it. And He's actually looking for that. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro. He's not looking for you to go out and be Superman. He's looking for you and me to trust Him and to praise Him when things are contrary. To trust Him and to praise Him when things are not going what the way we want to. He wants us to trust Him in the valley. And y'all, He also wants us to praise Him in the valley. Amen? Because we do trust Him and because we love Him. He wants us to praise Him in the storm. He wants us to praise Him in prisoners' chains. He wants us to praise Him at midnight. Can I tell you that anybody can praise the Lord when everything's going well? You know it because you've experienced it and so have I. Anybody can praise the Lord. A nominal Christian can praise the Lord when all is well with the world. Anyone can sing praises when all their circumstances are like they want them to be. When everything they touch turns to gold. When, when all men speak well of you. When everything is... Jesus says when all men speak well of you and so forth. Anybody can praise the Lord in times like that when we're, everything's just like we want it to be. But we rarely have those times. If ever. When all of our circumstances... But I'd ask the question, so would God... Who will praise the Lord at midnight? Who's going to praise the Lord in prisoners' chains? Who's going to praise the Lord when they've been beaten and for doing what's right? And praise the Lord. Because y'all, that's when that's that's the testimony that the Lord desires to get back out of us. Y'all know that. He's working in our lives. We're going to heaven one day and all this will be over. Okay, but between now and then, I'm not saying life is miserable. I'm saying he's working in every one of our lives to get that testimony back out of our lives. In other words, for it to come forth, to break back forth out of us that in our in our weakness and in our infirmity and in our persecution, that testimony for the Lord comes back out. That's what he desires. Deliverance comes when we praise God. At midnight. It does not mean that I said that the chains will fall off that moment. But we're already delivered. If you can praise God in the prison, in the chains, you're already delivered. You understand the point? And I shared a couple of Wednesday nights ago in our series on the cross about this lady in India, Mimosa, um, one of Amy Carmichael's people that, that came to know the Lord and in her day and age and her ministry up there in India. And she had very much been uh, abused. Her husband abused her. She was publicly humiliated. All kinds of things. Her family disowned her. All types of things happened to her. And she said that she, she learned to praise the Lord in the midst of those things. And she goes, she goes I learned that when, I, when, when deliverance didn't always come, she said peace always did come. And then she said, isn't that of infinite more value? And I say, yes, it is. Have I learned it like her? Probably not. Not like I should. Am I learning it? I am learning it. God is teaching us those things. When deliverance doesn't always come, peace always does. There's the victory. There is deliverance in that. When he can get that testimony back out of our lives, joy comes into our heart. Power comes into our hearts. 
We praise him in the prison. We praise him in our chains. When we pray, when we're sick and we're getting sicker. Ever been there? I'm praying to get well. I'm sick and I'm praying to get well and I'm getting sicker. When we praise him at that time. When our own family, because of our stand for the truth, has forsaken us and wants nothing to do with us. When our country has turned from God and we suffer because of it. We're not in denial. We're trusting the Lord. We're in faith. We're praising God in this storm. We're praising things when God, when the circumstances are not at all like we want. When it's dark and getting darker. When I'm sick and getting sicker. And I praise God. There's deliverance to that. And there's a joy in that. There's a peace in that. We know the story. You don't have to turn there, but in, in 2 Kings, there's an account of Elisha, and there was this, this woman, uh, and, and he stopped by her place and ended up setting a little, he and, she and her husband set up a little, like a, a little studio apartment for him to stay in when he would pass by. And she didn't have a son, and she, he says, What do you want? She goes, Well, I don't have a son. And he, he prayed, and later she had a son. And there came a day, it says, when the son was grown. He was out in the field with his father. And he sat up and uh, he said, my head's hurting. And he, he sat on his mother's knee, I think, until dark and he died. Elisha, Elisha wasn't there when it happened. And so here's Elisha and, Eli, and his servant. They see the Shunammite woman coming very quickly towards them. And he says, something's happened and the Lord hid it from me. Elisha did. Something had happened. The son had died. And he says to his servant, go talk to her real quickly. And you say this. Is it well with thee? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? You know what her answer was? It is well. I mean, you got to think about that for a minute. Her son just died. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? It's well. She's trusting the Lord. She's speaking by faith. It wasn't well in one sense. Her, her son died. What could be worse than that? It was well. She was speaking by faith. She was praising God in the storm. She believed that God could raise him, and which he did when Elijah got back home and raised him up. But the point is, before he was raised, she says it's well. And we see this as, as being something that, that God desires to do in his people. You ever been misunderstood in your walk with the Lord? You ever been misunderstood by people who should understand? And yet God says, I've got it. I've got it. I want you to praise me anyway. I want you to praise me anyway. It's going to redound to the glory of God. We're going to talk about it in just a minute. The Bible says that at midnight, Paul and Silas sang, prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. It's important that the Bible tells us that. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Just picture it. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. 
not just Paul and Silas. Everyone's bands were loosed. They were praising the Lord at midnight and the other people that didn't know the Lord might have thought they were crazy. Whatever they thought about them, they heard them praising God in that circumstance and in that situation. The other prisoners heard them. Okay? Job told his wife, you know, she says, curse God and die. And says, you're speaking like a foolish woman. And he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet I will maintain my way before him. And, and here we see others. It affects the people around us. Our God wants us to trust Him and praise Him at midnight and in the trials. Look at this real quickly. If you're still in Second Chronicles, turn over to chapter 20. We're going to read verses... 20 through 22. 2 Chronicles 20, 20 through 22. This is King Jehoshaphat. They're surrounded by a huge enemy that wants to attack them. They rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. What does he say? Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe in his prophets. So shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. Not soldiers. He appointed singers unto the Lord and that they should praise the beauty of His holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for His mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which would come up against Judah. And they were smitten. Now that's that again. These seems like fairy tales, okay? But in this instance, he sent singers. I want singers to go out first, and I want the singers to go out before our armies, and I want them to sing praises to God and say, "What did he say? Say, praise you, the Lord, for His mercy endures forever. Praise Him for the, the beauty of His holiness and so forth. And as they praised God with the enemy coming towards them, that greatly had them outnumbered, God delivered. Paul and Silas praised God at midnight before the deliverance came. The other prisoners heard. And y'all, I'll say this, and I'm going to be bringing this to a close, but it's not, it's not so much Job that we've talked about or Daniel in the lion's den or Jehoshaphat or Paul and Silas. It's not the person so much as it is Christ in you. Christ in Paul. Christ in Silas. Christ in Jehoshaphat is about by faith as he walked with the Lord. The Bible says, but for we have this treasure where? In an earthen vessel. The treasure is the Lord. It's Christ in you. It's the Spirit of God. If we have this life of Christ in us in earthen vessels, that's just these old earthly vessels. There's nothing special about them. Nothing more unique really than anybody else with flesh, of flesh and blood. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. To sing praises at, to God at midnight. To sing praises of God to God as we go through the fire of our lives. This brings God great glory. The Lord miraculously delivered Paul and Silas and He brought them out 
And we didn't have time to read the whole story, but they got to lead the Philippian jailer to the Lord. And then they went home because he took them home. And he tended to their wounds because after they had been beat, they hadn't been tended to at all. Can you imagine being beaten that way with metal rods and not even as much as putting a t-shirt over you or anything or squirting a hose over you to rinse you off, taking you straight from that beating and putting you in stocks in a filthy prison. And, and that's the situation where they were praising the Lord. But God sent an earthquake as they prayed. They got to lead the Philippian jailer to the Lord. They got to, he brought them home and tended to their wounds and took care of them. And they got to lead his family to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. His whole household. And so, uh, but the fact that they, the other prisoners heard, y'all, is the life of Christ in us. I'm bringing this to a close, but it, it, in one sense, it is otherworldly. He says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. It's not natural. It can't be manufactured. You can't go manufacture true praise to God when you're in prison, in prisoners' chains and been beat like that. It's, it's the life of the Lord in us. It's the grace of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned this word just a moment ago. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says it redounds to the glory of God. That's the only time that word, it's kind of an unusual word, is used in the Bible. It redounds to the glory of God. You know what that means? What does that do when we praise God at midnight? When we praise God in prisoners' chains? When our circumstances are totally not what we would like and we're hurting? And we praise God anyway. It redounds to the glory of God. That means to be in excess. To superabound. To cause to excel. Enough and to spare. It just gushes back out. Not a little bit, where it brought God a little bit of glory. It redounds to the glory of God. These martyrs I've talked about burning at the stake and praising God. You understand what I'm saying? Dan, Daniel in the lion's den, the three Hebrew boys, whatever it may be that we look at, some were delivered from their trials, some were not, but all would have been delivered since. Because even death is a deliverance. But it redounds to the glory of God. And I'm closing with this. You can come up. Our Savior is working in us to teach us. Our Savior is working in us to make us what He's called us to be. To know Him more. To understand that our trials are not simply trials. Do you ever look at your trials as just, this is just an unfortunate thing I've got to go through? I do sometimes. Just almost like a mistake that happened in life or in our country or whatever. An unfortunate uh, circumstance that's really needless. It's really pointless. It has no real purpose to it. It's just a trial. It's only that if we let it be that. It's only that if we look at it as being that. Oh, this is just something miserable I have to endure. One day it'll be over. That's not the attitude God wants us to have. We don't go looking for trials. And I certainly don't go look, looking to be persecuted. I want to serve God. But in the midst of this life where we are strangers and pilgrims, we are most assuredly going to have trials and persecutions for our faith. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's not a lot of ambiguity in that statement. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulations. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. The only good news is good news, though. It's, it's Christ. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in these earthen vessels. It's Christ showing, getting that testimony of faith 
back out of us that His life may be manifest in our mortal bodies. Amen. I'm going to close with one more scripture. If you'll turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, you can almost pick any man or woman in the Bible and they've been through trials and, and came through... Not, not that any particular one was perfect, but they came through trusting God and it redounded to the glory of God. Let's look at this. Paul talks about the thorn in his flesh and he prayed three times that God would take it from him. God did not take it from him. That means that the thorn stayed, whatever it was. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. He says, and he said unto me, this is the Lord speaking to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect where? And when? In weakness. Most gladly, Paul says, this is his response to that. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. He doesn't say, I just endure them. That would almost be enough. But he says, I take pleasure for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Either, again, this is either true or it's not true. It's not a fairy tale. It almost sounds too good to be true, but it's not too good to be true. Salvation sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Amen? We're saved by grace through faith. I'm closing with this. The, the Bible says in, in uh, you don't have to turn there, in Isaiah 26, 9, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. There's a longing for the Lord in the night. Charles Spurgeon said, by day there are many things that a Christian will desire besides the Lord. By day, there are many things a Christian will desire besides the Lord. But in the night, he wants nothing but his God. When you're going through it, all he wants is Jesus. So you know what? He lets us go through it. He lets us go through it. So all we want is Jesus. The other things are taken from us. He's not being cruel. He's not trying to rob every sap, every bit of joy out of your life. He's trying to bring you to the joy of living in Christ when we go through persecutions. I don't go out looking for persecutions, nor should we, or trials to self-inflict ourselves. We're going to have those as we walk in the will of God. But He wants us to trust Him. Amen? In the night, a Christian wants nothing but his God. Oh Lord, y'all stand with me this morning. I want to encourage you to meet with the Lord, whether you meet with the Lord at your seat, whether you meet with the Lord at these altars, whether you meet with the Lord before you rush out of here and take hold of what God has spoken to your heart. It's a simple truth this morning. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. That's the whole sermon. They did it at midnight. God wants us to learn to do it at midnight and trust Him. Ask for the strength to do it. Ask for the faith to do it. Ask for forgiveness for, for all of our complaining when we've gone through the least little trial. I have to do that as well. And I pray He would bring us to the place that in the night we want nothing but our God. Amen.
Father, we praise you this morning and we bless you. Y'all, these altars are open.